Our Medic Alert bracelet warns first responders that we kiss back during CPR. Pucker up, buttercup. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. Well, they seek answers to the questions that have crossed all of our minds. What happens to us when we die? Is there an afterlife? I'm a regular guy who discovered the gift of psychic mediumship in my 30s. My passion for history and the unknown have put me right here, right now. My mantra for anything paranormal is, we don't know much and anything is possible. Join me as we find our way through the stories, evidence, and experiences of the paranormal and beyond in search of answers, even if that leads to more questions. Are you with me? Welcome to the Paranormal Peak Show. I'm your host, Pete Orbea. It is the 19th of January. Time is a flying by. Uh, thanks for tuning in to episode eight of the Paranormal Pete Show on Let's Talk Radio at WLTKDB.com or the Let's Talk.com. And uh, thank you all for tuning in each week. We really appreciate it. There's a lot of great st- shows on this station. And uh, so be sure to check them all out. Just go to WLTKDB.com, and you can also catch the archives of all the prior shows. Uh, so it's a great place to, if you miss something, go back and check it out. And uh, today I'm really excited to have a special guest, author and investigator, researcher. This guy seems to have done it all. Uh, Mr. Rick Hill, welcome, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Pete. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you being on. And and for those uh, listening on the station, uh, if you want to ask Rick a question or myself a question, we'll do our best to answer that. Uh, but you can join the station chat. And we're also streaming live, um, facebook.com forward slash Paranormal Pete Show. And so I'll try and monitor those comments as well. So I love when people uh, throw in some questions. There's usually some really good ones. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. So let's... Uh, Feel free to throw in some questions. We're ready for it. And, always um, ready. Yeah, always ready, right? Whether you have an answer or not, that's another. That's a whole other thing. But um, you know what? There's yeah. there's there's a, there's never anything wrong with saying I don't know. Exactly, especially in the paranormal out. field. <laughs> especially right. in the paranormal field. That's tough. Tough to come by, and that that just kind of goes with uh, the whole ego part of paranormal research, investigation, psychic mediumship, and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, so, Rick, you have done a lot in the paranormal field. Um, you know, I was, I was checking out all the stuff. You've, you've got a, a really neat resume as far as paranormal research. Um, oh, so thank I, you. I think that's I think that's really cool. I think, um, you know, more people need to um, kind of expand – you know, you've kind of got a good knowledge of on a, on a bunch of different things, and with all mm-hmm. the research you've done, I don't know how you have time um, to do all that. 
but uh, uh, being a family man like myself, you know, right. uh, adulting. So it, it's it's really pretty cool. So um, you used to write for the Paranormal Underground magazine. Um, uh, I, I still do occasionally. Still do? Um, yeah, they they uh, they still put some of my work in, in the magazine. Oh, that that's great. And yeah. I saw your I saw your latest thing on paranormalstudy.com. So you kind of have stuff out all over the place. Yeah, I've uh, you know managed to um, author three books, and I've you know written for you know several different websites, and you know put a lot of articles and stuff out there. But uh, yeah, right now I'm writing primarily for uh, paranormalstudy.com. That's Same awesome. Got their, got their t-shirt on today. Oh, look at that! You're a marketing guy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, then I also read that you were the American correspondent for the European Paranormal Activity Society. Are you still uh, doing that? or I am not. No, I have not okay. done that for years. That's, uh, that sounds interesting, and I, I was going to mm-hmm. maybe ask some questions about uh, overseas stuff a little bit later. Um, yeah. No, I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't done that in years. It's uh, been a really long time. But, um, y- you know, it, it was just kind of... Um, you know, keeping them abreast of what's going on here in the United States, sure. um, in the in the paranormal uh, in paranormal land, as I like to call it, <laughs> paranormal landia. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when you were doing that, and maybe just in some of your work that you're doing now, are you finding mm-hmm. there's more and more of a connection um, between? you know, uh, bridging the pond. <laughs> Do you feel like there's more sharing going on, you know, between England research, European research and American research or. I do. Um, I think with, um, you know, they're, they're starting to get more of our television shows over there on the other, on the other side, you know, they, 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 you know, get a lot of ghost adventures and, yeah. and ghost hunters and stuff like that. So they get more of a taste of, um, Americans' non-traditional approach, whereas over in, over in the United Kingdom and, and in many parts of Europe, they have more of a traditional uh, laid-back approach to uh, psychical research and investigation. Right, and, and that probably, I would say, stems from the SPR, Society for Psychical Research, and then, you know, all the original work that's kind of carried, carried through the decades. Right. Um, which I've I'm learning more and more about that group and the history of psychical research. And it's just, yeah. it's fascinating. And it also makes me question everything I thought I knew or had an idea about. <laughs> well, you know, I, uh, I grew up in this field. Um, I've had an interest in it since uh, the early 1980s. And, um, you know, back then you couldn't just walk into a bookstore or into a library and find stacks and stacks of books on, you know, on, on paranormal uh, subjects. So, uh, right. um, you know, luckily I had you know, two really good libraries that I could go to, um, one in Round Lake Beach and in Chicago. My, my parents were divorced, so they lived in northern Illinois and in Chicago. Right. So I had those two libraries that I could, you know, borrow books from and, uh, all the, you know, all the early books that I was able to borrow either were for, by Hans Holzer, who, of course, was an American-German, uh, or rather German-American author and investigator, and as well as uh, um, English. So, you know, I, I grew up um, being really influenced by guys like Hans Holzer and uh, Peter Underwood. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, just about done with Ghost Hunter. <laughs> My hands holes are. It's great. It's uh, you know, I I want to learn. I want to never stop learning um, in this field. And, and you never should research. stop learning. Exactly. And I you never you know, do. Uh, in anything in life <laughs> you should never stop learning but yeah it's just it's, it's, it's really cool um and so d- did these did these books kind of was there you know other than hands holes or was there a specific book that kind of just hooked you with like you you know i'm interested in this oh whoa now i'm i know this is what i want to do and this is what i want to you know research was there a specific researcher you know historical researcher uh or you know a specific um it was several but there were two books um that really kind of had a huge influence on me and you know remember i got involved in this when i was like eight years old (laughs) so you know it's it's not like you could read you know huge novels in parapsychology or whatever huge books in parapsychology right um one of the books was uh by an author named larry kettle who is, I believe he's from Arkansas. He's from Arkansas, Alabama. And it was called Haunted Houses. And it was a book that was geared more towards uh, youthful readers. And, of course, the other one was uh, A Spoon's World of the Unknown Ghosts. And I thankfully have both of these books today. Um, My wife wife actually found the one by uh, Larry Kettlecamp on Amazon. I bought it for my birthday a few years ago. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so now now my son owns it, so I hope that he gets the same enjoyment that I had. But um, yeah, that was, I would have to say that those were uh, two of the first books that really sold me on. It's, this is what my interest is going to be. Nice, nice. And wow, eight years old too. That's, um, yeah. I I feel like, um, and, and I don't want you to date yourself, but <laughs> I had my first experience that I can remember at, at age seven. Um, okay. And I, you know, I didn't really have any exposure to, um, you know, to that sort of thing, but I had a lot of exposure mm-hmm. to science fiction and stuff. And so, so did I. yeah. And, and so it kind of interested me, but at eight years old to go actually, you know, find books and, and start reading, that's, um, that's a dedication. And I think it's probably someone put you there uh, that looks after you from the other side saying that you need to do this. So I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, it was, um, yeah, I, I had my, my very first uh, experience in like when I said I was eight years old in 1982. So I'm, you know, I'm going to be 47 here in a couple of months. And um, I had a very uh, positive interaction with an apparition in my grandparents' house. And um, that's kind of what set me on the path. Um, I started really reading heavily um, from about 1982 to 1981, like learning everything that I could possibly know. And then 1991 is when I had my actual real first investigation. And it was, you know, it was quite my accident. So when you say a, a positive interaction with an apparition, what do you mean by that? Well, it was at my grandparents' house in Franklin Park, Illinois, which is on the uh, northwest side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody always knew that, that my grandparents' house had something in it. You would hear footsteps when nobody was there. Uh, you would feel a cold draft. You would hear a, a woman's voice. Um, 
you know, nearby if nobody else was really present. And uh, one night I got up to use the bathroom. And uh, as I'm walking towards the bathroom, my grandmother always left the light on in the bathroom for us kids because it's always all, it really long and there was no light. It was a 150-year-old house. Nice. And, um, yeah, so I'm walking towards the bathroom, and I see somebody in the bathroom, and then the light turns off. So I'm standing there in darkness. And then all of a sudden I see this woman walk out of the bathroom, and it's my grandmother. My grandmother was a very short woman. This was a woman, very tall woman. Okay. And uh, she looked down at me, put her hand on my chin, and said with an Irish accent, my, what a fun young man. And then I watched as she turned, walked towards the kitchen, and just faded away. Wow. That, what yeah. an experience. Holy smokes. What, yeah. were you, what were you feeling? I mean, when she touched your chin, did you feel it? I did. It felt, you know, I will say, the best way that I could describe it is it felt static. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It felt like, oh, wow. You know, it, felt like, it felt like my hair was touching the balloon. You know, okay. like when it gets really staticky. That's kind of what yeah. it felt like. And she had a very nice smile. And, you know, the next day I talked to my grandmother about it. And actually, she kind of had to pull it out of me. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. That's Mrs. McNamee. She's okay. So my grandmother, she, yeah. She knew her name. <laughs> she knew her name. Well, this was the woman. Um, her husband, they owned the building that my grandparents lived in. She had died 10 years previously, her husband. Um, Mr. McNett still owned the building. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, even better that there was a connection in life with this person, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, that's probably the best childhood paranormal experience I've ever heard. And <laughs> really, it... Um, you know, it gave me it gave me more of a, a positive way of approaching this, um, rather than you know thinking that everything is always so dark and spooky, and you know there's something evil around every corner around sure. to get you. You know, I always think of um, what Hans Holzer always said. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm just sort of paraphrasing. I've never been afraid of ghosts because they're just human beings in trouble, and I've always believed in that philosophy. Indeed. And I lead tours uh, every year here in little historic Port Gamble. Mm -hmm. And before tours start, you know, there's always a few people I can tell who who are scared before we even start the tour and nervous. And I always let everybody know that, hey, you know, tonight I hope to show you that ghosts were people once too. Uh, And if you can remember that and just handle them as you would a normal person, you'll probably feel better about it. And it usually seems to work out. And, you know, I think that's just how you have to approach, you know, uh, stories of a ghost or reports of right. ghostly activities. You're just remembering that there are people once too. Yeah. Uh, See, um, you know, and, and as an investigator, when I, I've always primarily specialized in private homes and, um, I've, I've had a lot of um, success in teaching um, the living occupant how to peacefully coexist with the uh, unliving occupant of the house. Right. And um, I mean, I've, I've had a few experiences that were, you know, unnerving and, you know, somewhat 
frightening, but I never really had anything that was that scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's, I mean, our societal beliefs and everything make a ghost. They've been taboo for, you know, other than the spiritualist movement, they've been taboo up until the last 20, you know, 30 years, maybe ghostbusters help kind of, yeah, you know, start, you know, start all the, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it kind of sort of was. I, I, um, on my show, the Shadow Initiative, uh, we interviewed um, Gail Kaczmarek, who is he's a fellow Chicagoan and uh, you know, lifelong investigator and researcher. Yeah, and um, you know, he he kind of felt the same way that you you, you got to you have to really approach this in in a positive way and. Uh, you know, not really let it overcome you fear-wise. Yeah. When you have to, if you're trying to do credible research, mm-hmm. you can't be running around screaming. <laughs> Run. <laughs> yeah. That's only at the end of the night when you're exhausted, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, okay. I was just going to ask, you know, you mentioned that you do in a lot of your investigation you've done primarily, or you focused more on um, private home investigations. And so I'm, I'm curious. um, I've been asking everybody this, um, you know, does private home investigations. How often do you think, uh, and I don't know how you can quantify, I guess with a loose number here, but how often are you coming across the activities actually poltergeist and something that's not, um, you know, uh, not a spirit, not a survival or an apparition or. I've had, yeah, I've had two uh, where I dealt with, um, with something that I believe was a legitimate poltergeist. My very first investigation that I did at 17 years old was a poltergeist. I have no wow. doubt about that. Yeah. Um, and the uh, second one was one that I actually was able to resolve over the telephone. And uh, a woman was, um, she had gone through a horrible, horrible divorce. And she had a daughter who was um, special needs. Okay. And she had a group come into her home, another ghost hunting group. And uh, they told her that your house is infested with demons and your daughter who was autistic um, was possessed by the devil. Now, I can't imagine telling somebody whose daughter is autistic that she's possessed by the devil. And I was able to determine after speaking to this woman sometime on the phone that she was actually the focus of this poltergeist entity, not the daughter, but she was because she had just come out of a really bad marriage. Her husband was, um, was an alcoholic, and he was abusive. And, uh, so she was actually producing this psychic energy. Amazing. Yeah. I, um, so far, I'm just you know, curious as to, you know, as life goes on, and, and we've got, uh, as humans... You know, as time goes on, we, we're bombarded with, you know, so many things, you know, mm-hmm. every day. Just I'm, I'm wondering if there out there uh, is more and more poltergeist activity, uh, especially, you know, um, yeah, over the last few years, there's been a lot of energy put out there. 
um, by, by the world. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of curious, um, you know, if it was kind of a regular thing with you or more rare, and it sounds like it's a little bit more rare, Mm. which, which I would, uh, I would agree with, uh, in, in the investigate private home investigations I've done, it's, I've only had one, um, that I, and I, I'm not still not for sure on it, but everything was kind of pointing me to it being a poltergeist. Um, and so we're going to take a quick break here. It's just about 20 past the hour. We're going to take a quick break and pay the station bills here. And we'll be right back. We'll talk some more poltergeist with author and investigator and researcher, Rick Hale here on the paranormal Pete show. We'll see you on the flip side. WLTK DB Let's Talk Ever wanted to host your own radio show? If your answer is yes, then the time to act is now. WLTK DB Let's Talk is now accepting new programming more affordable than ever. You create the show idea and we'll take care of the rest. Not only do we create your program intro and provide broadcast training, but also syndicate you to popular outlets like Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more. You get all of this starting at 100 bucks per month. Three packages to choose from and built to make your wallet happy. Contact us at WLTKDB.com with your show idea and let's bring your dream to life. All topics accepted and you have full rights to your program. Contact us today and reserve your spot on WLTKDB Let's Talk. What are you waiting for? Let's do this. Of all the radio stations in the world, we're one of them. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTK DB. Welcome back to the Paranormal Pete Show on episode 8 here with special guest Rick Hale. And Rick, I, I want to say thanks again for, for coming on the show. I realize it's a lot later than it is here where you're at. <laughs> so. No, it's, you know, it, it's, it's quite all right. I'm, I'm always glad to uh, come on somebody's show. It's, uh, it's always really humbling when somebody takes time to take an interest in anything that I do. Oh, well, I think you're an interesting guy. So I guess that's a, oh, thank you. It's a recipe for a, for a good time. <laughs> well, uh, so before the, before the break, we were talking a little bit about poltergeist and yes. I was mentioning that at least in my experience and, um, you know, I haven't done probably nearly close to the investigations you've done. Um, mm-hmm. but it is, does seem pretty rare to get poltergeist activity, and you've written a book on the geek's guide to the strange and unusual. Um, yes, that was my first. Yeah. And it's, it f- focuses on poltergeist ghosts and demons. Correct. And so I would like, you know, for everyone listening out there also, if you want to comment or uh, jump on the station chat, maybe share an experience that, that you've had, 
um, if it's poltergeist or, or whatever it might be, or maybe as Rick had the experience, you know, at eight years old of an apparition coming up to him, he could see her, she spoke to him and touched him. Did mm-hmm. anybody else have anything like that? I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing, but, uh, jump on the station chat or comment on Facebook and, uh, get the, get the conversation going, uh, amongst yourselves out there. But how many people out there feel like you've, experienced a uh, poltergeist activity um yeah. and for those who don't know rick what what do you consider a poltergeist well poltergeist um I, you know you have to realize i'm coming from traditional psychical research and parapsychology um poltergeist appears to be um pent-up psychic frustration pent-up psychic energy that is push out into the physical environment and causes um, all kinds of uh, psychic activity and all things to go flying, flying against the wall, furniture to move. Um, you know, a number of poltergeists have been responsible for picking people up, throwing them. Um, it is not generally a ghost. The um, you know. Um, surviving consciousness of a person that has died. Um, and it is most definitely not a demon. Um, <laughs> it is definitely some kind of you know, a psychic force that we don't really quite have an understanding of just yet. But, um, but that's not to say that you know, things like ghosts can't be involved with the poltergeist. Um, one of the theories that I've always kind of believed in is that that energy is so amazing that it can either uh, give life to already existing haunting by a ghost, or okay. it can drop in um, ghosts. That's a that's an interesting thought, um, and I could I could totally see that being uh, valid. Mm-hmm. Um, that if someone is, you know. So basically, a, a living person is the cause of poltergeist activity. Yeah, kind of like and, a and, kind of like a conduit of this um, internalized frustration. Um, for the longest time, people in um, you know traditional parapsychology and psychical research believe that it was primarily children going through puberty, but there have been a number of cases through the years where there was an adult who was most definitely the uh, conduit for this uh, psychic energy. Um, one of those is the Miami Poltergeist in 1966. And at the same year, across, uh, across the Atlantic in Rosenheim, Germany, was another case where um, a young woman working in a lawyer's office, she was 19 or 20 years old, and she was actually producing this uh, psychic energy. So it does happen. Yeah, and I I totally think it does because there's the majority. Well, I believe that uh, everybody has some sort of psychic ability. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether it's ESP or clairvoyance or empath. I think empath <clears throat> is probably a, you know the most common one. But I, right. you know, the vast majority of people <clears throat> they're not thinking about it. It's not a part of their life. They, they just go through life, uh, not realizing these abilities. And I think we really do all have them in some way. Of course, we're all different. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and how we, how we house those and use them. But right. I think that I, it's, um, 
Yeah, I, go I was ahead. just going to say, so I think it's uh, I think it's too uh, in some people it's too it's uh, lesser to a greater degree. Um, one of the things that I think we all have is what's called situational a situational awareness, and this goes back to when uh, humans were hunter um, gatherers. So we had to be aware of everything that was out there with us, including the other predators looking for the same kind of question. So yeah, definitely um, people, I think that all humans do possess that. Right. Evolution, I think, definitely has has a, a part in, in the gifts that everybody does have. And right. I, yeah, I, I talk about on my tour, um, and I talk about that on my tour of, hey, you know, what did we do when we were cavemen? We started to sense danger. We had to sense danger because if there was danger, chances are you're going to die. So we learned quick yeah. probably to, <laughs> to develop and, that. And, and, and we were hunter-gatherers, you know, from longer than what we are today. It, exactly. So that still exists. Yeah, it, exactly. And so we're built, you know, I've always kind of felt, you know, we're built to sense things that we don't see because or right. you know and it's mostly i think everyone can feel emf in some in some way uh mm -hmm. some people feel it a lot stronger than others naturally sometimes you have to practice at it and you know it's not coming as naturally but you can develop it and so right. um so it makes sense with a with poltergeist um that if someone has you know psychic ability they just don't know it and they just blow a gasket one day that that energy yeah. i could totally see an entity that may exist in that location with them drawing off of that yeah um i think, I think a really uh, famous case um, where there was an actual entity involved along with uh poltergeist activity was what is known as the black monk of in 1967 in Yorkshire, England. And um, it started off as basically your garden variety poltergeist activity. And okay. all of a sudden, people started seeing this apparition of a monk. And it, now, according to some people, there was a uh, old monastery, a destroyed monastery that had been destroyed hundreds of years previous. And okay. some people believe that this energy had the apparition of this monk in the house. That yeah, it that's cool. I'm gonna need to look that case up. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um so I mean how do you how do you get through to somebody um with doing a lot of private home investigations, you've got to have a pretty good personal touch with uh with your clients and you know how <clears throat> for anybody who's on teams out there who do private mm -hmm. home investigations in the cases that you had, especially um, the one you spoke of with the daughter uh, with special needs, how yeah. did you, how do you kind of get through to somebody that they may actually be the ones causing the activity? Well, I think that you can, I think you just need to be very understanding and you need to be very willing to listen. Um, and, you know, possessing you know, good objectivity and just you know remember that when you're dealing with people you're also dealing with human emotions so you have to be yeah. sensitive and if you're, and if you're one of the people that's really not so much sensitive you know have somebody that is sensitive like with this woman I suggested 
then she could speak with a licensed social worker, which she did. And two weeks later, the activity was was gone. I'm I'm not um, I'm, I'm not a licensed social worker. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm a, a high school graduate. <laughs> so it's like. I'm not going to be one of these people that's going to be like, oh, yeah, I know everything that I'm talking about. I don't. Go <laughs> talk to somebody who can help you with that. But at the same time, you have to be willing to listen. Wow. Uh, and great, you know, uh, great ending to that of two weeks later that the activity seemed to stop once you probably was able to talk to somebody and just get it all out, <laughs> you know. She did everything she's holding in and just get it out and release all that tension and energy. Yeah. I, I, uh, I took that from uh, Nando Fordham, who was a 20th century uh, parapsychologist and, he, and psychologist. And he, he believed that um, a person talking their issues out um, would help them solve that kind of energy that was going on. And, um, you know, I guess it did. Yeah, especially in that case, and I think you're. That's right on. Most people just maybe just need to let it out sometimes, and yeah. and there, there you go. So, um, it, so I wanted to get your take on on demons <laughs> because uh, yeah, it always comes up, doesn't it? Well, <clears throat> I've never had an experience with anything I would consider to be close to that. Neither am I. And, and I, I don't know that I'd want to. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. Actually, I, I know I wouldn't want to. But so many people, it's, it's, again, I think we go back to society and societal beliefs and religious beliefs and mm-hmm. why, that that's, why that's prevalent. But I usually th- explain at least in my experience, I, I am never claimed to be an expert on one thing or another. I just, that's, mm-hmm. that's totally not me. I'm not an expert, <laughs> right. but I always try and explain that, you know, when you get negative activity or hear about negative activity, or maybe someone experiences negative activity. In fact, probably mm-hmm. some of the people listening out there have experienced what you would consider negative activity. Everyone's first thought sure. is that it's a non-human a demon and right. you know again this is just my opinions but um i just look at them as just grumpies i call them grumpies they're just mm-hmm. they were probably a jerk in life um maybe had you know some sociopathic tendencies or whatever sure. just a jerk in life and i think that they they carry some elements of their personality with them so if they're a jerk in life they're going to be a jerk on the other side. And, and like you were saying with Hans Holzer is it's just a person with problems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's your, your death does not change your personality. So however you were in life, that's exactly the way you would be in death. I mean, if you're a precarious person and you're likable, you're going to be that way in death. But if you're a crabby or jerk, you're going to be that way in death as well. You know, I have a, a, a really good um, example of this, people dealing with a cranky spirit. Um, this was maybe about 10 years ago in King County. I investigated a house, King County, Illinois. Um, I investigated a house where people, they were just absolutely being 
terrified by this ghost in the house. He was okay. ashamed, he was, he was angry, he was throwing things around, and just scaring people. Oh, it turns out the reason he was so angry was he had killed himself. And this was back in the 1950s. Okay. And the reason that he had killed himself is because he was gay. And he lived in a very religious family, but he spoke all this through a psychic medium. Okay. And um, he killed himself because it was unacceptable to his family, and of course at that time, to be um, LGBTQ. And um, he was angry and afraid because he thought that if he left the house, he knew he was dead. He thought that he, if he left that house, that he was going to go to hell. So our psychic medium was able to convince him that that is not what's waiting for him on the other side. And um, she was able to convince him to move on, and he did, and they no longer had any problems in that house. So, yeah, so that's just a perfect example of you know, how, how, how even a human spirit can be angry and seem demonic, but um, you know, just really isn't. Yeah, because I mean, we're, well, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, like you said before, in, in almost 30 years of investigating, I have never once come across anything that I would say is demonic. I mean, it's, but that's not to say that it doesn't exist. That's just right. to say that it's not, it's not something you're going to come across every other week on the television show. Yeah, exactly, and and I kind of I kind of knew you would you would have that take on it, and yeah. I, I think it's great because I mean, that's kind of my take on it too. Is sure, I mean anything's possible. Um, like it says in the show intro, we don't know much. Anything's possible, right? But I've oh, never you know. come across anything that I would consider. I've come across some angry people. You know, sure. people with some with some issues and regrets mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, but nothing that's ever been. I mean, there's just nothing, and so I yeah. think it's probably pretty rare out there. What were we gonna say? I was just gonna say, you know, there was one time where I came across something where I'm like, maybe, you know, and it was a house in the Kenway. Actually, not too far. And um, this kid had invited something into his home. And it was causing some problems. But again, you know, I, I really had to consider that maybe this was poltergeist, too. I, I, don't, I don't know if there was anything like actually demonic. But some of the people that I was doing the investigation with, they sort of, maybe it is. And it's like, I don't think so. Let's not jump the gun on it. Really, because we don't want to scare this. Yeah, but I think that was the only time where I ever kind of thought twice about something. Um, you know, whether or not it was an inhuman entity of any kind. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really not. I really don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I I came across one thing at the Walker Ames house here in Port Gamble, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty fairly active location. Um, to where a, a really bad smell and a really strong energy was was in the house yeah. and emanated from the basement of the house um, and seemed to come up to the second floor with us. 
Now that kind of, you know, that made me start to question, uh, oh, is this, is this, uh, my first time experiencing something non-human and then it turned out we think to be a man because we heard a coughing <laughs> yeah, obviously and, demons aren't gonna cough. yeah yeah and that made me yeah. that made me feel better um yeah. but i you know i was sitting uh poised to bail out of the room if i had to because the energy was just really the guy was not happy he was he was yeah. really to that he was he had been sick and we think it was, uh, he said, we think he said it was blood lung that he had mm-hmm. so tuberculosis. Right. And it, that was just one of those experiences where like, I, I kind of thought for a little bit, like mm, maybe, maybe something, you know, something else is going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, do you, th- I know you've done a lot of research and um, maybe it's a passion and you can talk about that, but uh, more of, you know, cryptid or, you know, myths and um, legends of, of things. I know you've written about some things like that. I mean, so do you think maybe in the old world, that stuff may be, you know, non-human type stuff mm-hmm. might be exist more in places where, the quote-unquote old world is um no i just think it's the way that the uh, old world people would interpret it um you know especially when you consider a lot of these old world countries were mainly uh christian were christianized and um so you know they they kind of had that their uh they kind of filtered supernatural activity Mm-hmm. They kind of filtered it through their belief system. Um, I, I, I have always had very much an interest in vampires. I don't necessarily believe in the Lestat type vampire. Okay, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 there there have been um, many uh, legends concerning monstrous creatures of the night, you know, feed on human beings, like you know the Chinese Xingji. For example, was it would suck the chi of its victims out from its nose, and you know that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, vampires are definitely uh, if you can call them, if you can put them into cryptozoology, yeah, I would definitely be you know more interested in that kind of a thing rather than I mean, you know Bigfoot is you know that's sort of another thing, and it's not really uh, it's not really my jam, I guess you could say. <laughs> not really your jam. <laughs> no, it, you know my, uh, my my focus has always been more towards uh, parapsychology and psychic research. Yeah, rather than monsters and aliens. Is there <clears throat> I like that? Um, is there? Uh, I know they're out there. Is there a good story, or maybe you've written about it uh, in an article of an American vampire? that uh, the audience could go check out in case they're interested as well. Oh, definitely. Um, Mercy Brown. Uh, Mercy Brown Brown was a uh, young woman in uh, the 18th century. It was was Exeter, Rhode Island. Okay. And um, her family, it was during the time when, um, um, like you said, blood, they called it consumption back then. And uh, 
a lot of people were dying from this, and it looked like they were having their life taken away from them. Some people thought it was a vampire. Mm-hmm. And um, Mercy Brown, her entire family, besides her father, had died, and her, her younger brother. And uh, when she finally died, somebody was like, oh, hey, somebody in your family is a vampire. It's causing this you know, consumption of tuberculosis. And uh, I actually dug her up and uh, burned her heart toward, uh, uh, toward her heart from her body and uh, burned it and then mixed it in, in, in liquid and you know, fed it to her, her younger brother who eventually, you know, got well, or, or rather, I'm sorry, did die from tuberculosis. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I have to say that that's definitely a uh, famous American vampire story. <laughs> and uh wow i mean talk about the lengths people will go to uh when they're scared <laughs> you, know? you know what, what happened is it's like you know there were some old world influences that uh you know came into play there in 19th century except for rhode island and uh, you know they still believed in the uh revenant undead rising from the grave and attacking people yeah, and didn't they put? They started putting bells on on grave sites. Well, that was for people who were being because they had fear of being prematurely buried. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think it actually. Oh, it was it? I thought it was for vampires too. I thought it was no, no, for no, vampires no. too. No, no, it was for a fear of being uh, prematurely buried. Yeah, which happened. <laughs> yeah. With you know, there's there's documented cases of that. My God, what a I would be a angry ghost if that happened to me. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, because I'm 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 horribly horribly claustrophobic, and uh, you know, waking up from being in a coma to find myself buried six feet underground. Oh yeah, would definitely freak me out. Yeah, it's <laughs> I just I would my if I woke up from that and, and then died. Uh, I would go around opening everyone's doors all the time. Oh yeah, be like open, open, open. <laughs> you know, and, and 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 that could be another reason why you know, people thought they were experiencing vampires in, say, Eastern Europe. Um, I think of uh, stories of like guys like P- uh, Peter Blagojevich or uh, Petra Tom. Um, they were seen out of the grave, wandering around um, the villages, and people thought they were vampires. And you know, it's not what they were at all. And just woke up. <laughs> yeah, just woke up. So, my God, that would, oh, I just yeah. I don't even want to imagine. That's that's crazy. now 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 the story of Petrotoma that was only within the last fifteen or sixteen years. That just recently happened. Where this really? guy, had, yeah, people thought he was dead, and you know, he had risen from the grave and was feeding on friends and family and um, they finally just dug him up one day and you know, did what they used to do a couple hundred years ago. They took his heart out and burnt it and chopped off his head and, and uh, I wrote an article for a paranormal study called The Second Death of Peter Toma. And uh, so I, was, I suggest that anybody go and read it because it is quite horrific that this kind of superstition still and, exists today. And that's on paranormalstudy.com? Correct. Oh yeah. So everyone out there listening, yeah, go check that out. <laughs> God, that I just, oh, people, 
Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? Well, it, 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 it is amazing how these uh, you know superstitions that are hundreds of years old still exist even to our even to our time. But you know these are very um, you know simple people who are still they live still live very close to the earth. Yep. Yep. In, indeed, and and I think you know looking back historically. You know, all the superstitions came over here with everybody that came over from Europe. And yeah, exactly. Here. They just brought out all that stuff and the, you know, with their culture and everything, and it's just kind of morphed now, mm. you know, uh, to what it is today. And yeah, I guess I still feel superstitious about some the number thirteen. I don't know. You know, sure. I still feel superstitious about that. And what's one good superstition that you that you have? Well, um, you know, it's actually more of a story. Um, my, my family came from uh, from Wales and Ireland, so they brought the banshee and the leprechaun and the uh, fairy with them. And uh, when I was a kid growing up, my grandfather used to tell us all the story about how when he was a boy, a leprechaun stole his clothes. <laughs> so, <Nice. laughs> yeah. So it's like I grew up, you know, believing this believing the story of the leprechaun stole my grandfather's clothes. So it's really so much of an old world superstition, but you know, it was just, it was a fun story to hear as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. No kid. Yeah. A lot of my friends growing up would call me a leprechaun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just based on looks, I guess I was never really that lucky. So not a real, not a real leprechaun. Um, So I wanted to ask, what was your first, because <clears throat> I think your your story is just it's awesome because you started so young uh and I think started out down the credit you know critical thinking logical path mm-hmm. <laughs> you know instead of more the magical path and I, I, I try to yeah what was so what was your first and you know official investigation um was it the one you mentioned earlier with the mom and the daughter with special needs or no it was uh, in uh, september of 1991 i just started my senior year of high school and um a friend of mine who was a member of this ministry that helped abused kids and kids who were trying to escape from cult activity okay she would invite these kids into her into her home and they would stay with her until they could, you know, get away from whatever it was that was that was bothering them. And yeah. she had this girl her name was Tina and she was only a year younger than so she was sixteen. And uh, one night I was it was a Saturday night, I was hanging out with my girlfriend and Denise was was this woman's name. She called me, she's like, you know, there's some small stuff that's going on. House and that you have interest in this kind of thing. You can come over here and take a look and meet with this girl. And sure, no problem. So I go, I, I, I take my girlfriend home and then I go off and I got my piece of paper and I got, I got my paper and my pen with me and everything. And I go over and I meet with this girl and her story, she claimed that she was pregnant with the baby of a leader of a satanic sex cult. Oh, you know, whether or not there's, you know, there's any like real, there's like real satanic sex cults out there. Right. But um, when she was around other people, she, things would move around her. Um, uh, the air would become very cold in, in her general vicinity. Okay. And uh, 
when she claimed that Russia that night, these shadowy entities would appear and, you know, torment her. So, yeah, I listened to her story and writing everything down. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, like, stick around, you know, wait and see what happens. Yeah. And uh, so I'm sitting in the chair, and I just got done walking around the house. Everybody else is asleep in the house. It's about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait for something, praying something's going to happen. <laughs> Excited probably, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, all of a sudden, Tina just sort of says, wait, they're here. Okay, they're here. So I walk into the other room where she's sleeping, and it's very cold in there. Now, keep in mind, this is northern Illinois, and this is a double-wide um, mobile home with no air conditioning. So September in Illinois is still very notoriously hot and humid. Right. And this room is cold. All the windows are open, and the room is just cold. All of a sudden, I start addressing whatever she says it's in the room with us. And okay. all of a sudden, this huge black shape just appears in front of me and then shoves me. And then she disappears. So you were actually physically pushed? I was physically pushed, yes. And I mean, I fell on my ass and everything, and I'm like looking up at this thing and watch. She says, it disappears. You know, I know that a lot of people would say that um, that I had done to it. A demon. I don't believe that's what I dealt with at all. I do believe I was dealing with was an actual poltergeist. And this uh, shadowy entity was created by her. And through uh, telepathy was put out into the physical environment. And that it was actually her attacking me and not something ghostly. Yeah, yeah. Her psychic energy is is just exploded basically right. and so what did that feel like when you i mean other than your rear end hitting the ground <laughs> i mean what did, did was there a sensation or was it, it just was, like boom i fell over it was like it was like a huge rush of air oh it okay. just struck me so it's like when i say that it pushed me that's for a lack of a better term um but yeah this thing just like it just shoved me this huge you know, force of air that just hit into me and just knocked me over. And so I got to ask, did you take a little break after that of from investigating or did it make you be like, I want to get back in there? <laughs> um, definitely felt that I needed to learn more. <laughs> so it, <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, it, it, it had been a couple of years before I had ever, before I had done another house. Okay. And um, actually, it had been several years before I did another house. And my, my next investigation, I think it was about 96 or 97, um, it was a house in um, Lindhurst or Lakeville, Illinois. And uh, these people had uh, just moved into their house. And they were, the kids were seeing an apparition of an old woman. And, 19th okay. century dress and uh it turns out what happened is is that they had bought a an antique literature from an antique shop up in wisconsin and okay. this spirit was attached to this literature ah, so okay. yeah so that was that was investigation number two <laughs> that came through <laughs> years after that but um yeah so there was definitely a huge break 
but I think that there was other, you know, little investigations, you know, going to, uh, you know, cemeteries and graveyards, and, you know, places like that. Sure. You know, most people in their twenties, late, you know, late teens, twenties do. And uh, I think to say that it really started to explode again after uh, 2004 when all of a sudden ghost hunting was trendy. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, mean, I had already been in the field for years and years, but um, yeah, it definitely started to become more active after that. That's, that's amazing. My gosh, Rick, you have <laughs> had quite the experiences and a lot of people investigate for a long time have no experiences and you just seem you just seem to have some crazy ones so you know lucky you i don't know yeah. <laughs> lucky me yeah i mean um, I, I am definitely of the mind that that our real hunting is extraordinarily rare but um okay. yeah we yeah, have definitely uh, you know come across a few entities in my time yeah. And have you had, um, I mean, over the years, have you had a number of uh, activity that's tied to objects? I'm a little more curious about that now. Um, no, it was just that second investigation with the uh, butter churn. Okay. Yeah. Do um, you, um, and where you're at too, there's, there's a lot of old stuff over there. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever gone have you ever gone to an antique shop and ever, you know, felt something in there or thought maybe somebody was standing next to you? Have you ever had that sort of experience? Yeah. Um, one time there is a, uh, uh, in Woodstock, Illinois, which, you know, that's where they filmed the Groundhog's Day. <laughs> the uh, Bill Murray movie, we go up there quite a bit and there's a, uh, there's an antique shop. One time we were standing in an area where they had like, pinball machines, pinball machines and all that. I'm just standing there and it felt like kind of somebody was standing behind me, but nobody was there. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, it was very cool. You ever, it, and so I didn't have or realize psychic abilities until about seven years ago for me, seven, mm-hmm. eight years ago for me. Um, now, I'm curious about that. Yeah. Okay, so you have just now developed these abilities because I'm of I'm, I'm of a mind that a person is born with these abilities. Right. I think that they were always there, mm-hmm. but because I, you know, grew up big into science fiction, mm-hmm. and I would just look. I would say, looking back on my life, I had a, a whole series of experiences that uh, led me to feeling crazy, we'll just say, for a few days um, of kind of, you know, an awakening. Um, And since then, there's a lot of things that I look back in my life and and realize, oh, the person I was seeing, I thought I was just imagining, but I would, there's many times growing up that I I can think of where I'm sitting there and just all of a sudden, like, I not seeing with my eyes, but just with my mind, I see, you know, see a person and I think, who's that? I've never seen that person before. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, that's, that's Frank, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, you know, I could put a name to him. Uh, and there's times that I can think of growing up where just on a, 
any random day I felt like a ton of bricks hit me and I, I felt I would feel super depressed and I didn't know why and just heavy and a lot of butterflies in my stomach. Now looking back, I realize I think that was energy that I was feeling mm-hmm. and, um, and it was, you know, more of an earthbound type energy. It was real heavy, but I can never figure out why I felt like that, but I just felt, I would feel sad. I would feel all these different emotions and felt just like, I just couldn't explain it. I felt like yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi on the Millennium Falcon when Alderaan gets blown up and he kind of falls over, you know, mm-hmm. I just sense the, you know, despair of, of millions, you know, um, I unfortunately so, don't have those abilities. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I have to really rely upon what I hear with my own ears and see with my own eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So there, I, I don't know how to explain it other than there's just a lot of retrospect going on after I had this sort of awakening experience sure. and looking back and realizing, oh, that might have been what it was. Just thought I had a really super imagination, which maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, well, we're going to take a top of the hour news break here on WLTKDB.com on the Paranormal Beat Show with special guest Rick Hale. And so we're going to go to a break. We'll see you on the flip side of the break and we'll uh, keep talking. I think we're going to get into some psychic stuff. I got a lot of questions to ask you about uh, using mediums for investigations and how you approach all that. And I look forward to coming back. And, And my special thanks to Rick for joining the Paranormal Beat Show tonight. Charges filed. I'm Lisa Lacerra, Fox News. Three reputed members of a militia facing charges in connection with the riot at the Capitol. The riot may have looked spontaneous, but federal authorities say three self-described members of a paramilitary group planned the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Thomas Edward Caldwell, Donovan Crowell, and Jessica Watkins are the first of more than 125 people arrested in connection with the January 6th attack to face conspiracy charges. The FBI identified the trio as members of the Oath Keepers, which believes in a shadowy conspiracy to undermine the rights of Americans. According to charging documents, messages exchanged between the defendants and others refer to lawmakers as traitors and called for night hunting. The FBI also says Caldwell received a text during the attack instructing him to seal members of Congress in tunnels below the Capitol and turn on gas. Steve Rappaport, Fox News. This afternoon, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell blamed President Trump for the riot, saying the mob was fed lies and they were provoked by the president and other powerful people. But he says he didn't. it didn't keep Congress from doing its duty. Tomorrow, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris will be sworn in. We'll have a safe and successful inaugural right here on the West Front of the, Capitol. the Senate is now preparing for an impeachment trial of President Trump. McConnell is set to attend church tomorrow morning with President-elect Biden. Earlier this evening, Biden and Vice President-elect Harris paused their preparations for Inauguration Day to remember the 400,000 Americans who have died from COVID-19. To heal, we must remember. It's hard sometimes to remember. But that's how we heal. Biden is speaking near the Lincoln Memorial Reflecting Pool. He also took time to thank nurses, calling them angels in heaven. America is listening to Fox News.
If you're using anything other than Indeed for your hiring, you are wasting your time. Hire great people faster with Indeed. Only pay for results and get back time in your schedule. Indeed.com helps you find quality candidates instantly with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. Get started right now with a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Fox. Indeed.com slash Fox. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Canada is urging the incoming Biden administration to not cancel the Keystone oil pipeline. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau raised the Keystone XL pipeline as critical for Canada, calling it a top priority when he spoke to President-elect Joe Biden in November. Now Alberta Premier Jason Kenney saying that he'll seek legal damages if reports are true that Biden plans to scrap the 1,700-mile pipeline that would carry roughly 800,000 barrels of oil a day. From Alberta to the Texas Gulf Coast, The pipelines become a target for environmentalists, though trade group American Petroleum Institute is also urging Biden to stand up for the thousands of good-paying union jobs and local communities that are tied to Keystone XL. Jeff Manasso, Fox News. Experts are warning that North Korea may try to flex its nuclear muscle with a new administration in the U.S. Analysts at the James Martin Center for Nonproliferation Studies in Monterey, California say satellite images suggest steps are being taken to ready a test firing at sea of a ballistic missile. That new weapon was rolled out during a huge military parade in Pyongyang last week. The danger is that such a system could bring the North Korean nuclear threat closer to the shores of mainland United States. Fox's Greg Peltot, a federal judge in Oklahoma, has ordered the new owners of the zoo featured in the Netflix series Tiger King to turn over all lion and tiger cubs they have, along with any adult animals, to the federal government. The order coming after claimed violations of the Endangered Species Act and the Animal Welfare Act. The judge said Jeffrey and Lauren Lowe have shown what he called a shocking disregard for the health and welfare of the animals and for the law. The Lowe's took over operations of the zoo from Joseph Maldonado Passage, also known as Joe Exotic, who's serving a 22-year sentence in Fort Worth for his involvement in a murder-for-hire plot. I'm Lisa Lacerra. This is Fox News. Even in the new year, it's hard to start a new routine. But if you're one of the 34% of Americans who made a resolution to be less stressed, Headspace is here to help. These days, you need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So, however today's news hits you, Headspace really can help you feel better. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, Headspace has 600,000 five-star reviews and over 60 million downloads. You deserve to feel happier. And Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash fox. That's headspace.com slash fox for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash fox today. Well, they say- Welcome back to the Paranormal Pete Show. I'm your host, Peter Abea. We're on Let's Talk Radio, WLTKDB.com. This is episode eight with special guest Rick Hale. And uh, if you're watching on Facebook, you've noticed that Rick has now gone into outer space. 
he was <laughs> with this <laughs> this background here. I he was they should a- change that. <laughs> Beyond Christmas, yeah, he was in a nice, you know, Christmas setting before with a nice Christmas tree and stockings, and now he's in outer space. Yep. <laughs> Welcome That's back, exactly Rick. Where I hey, thanks, Pete. <laughs> I, I'll be right there with you in, in space as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so before the before the break, we're in the second hour of the show here, and I want to thank Rick again for for staying up late uh, with me thanks here. And uh, so we were talking a little bit about um, getting more into mediumship and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. Rick had asked me, how did I just develop it, <laughs> develop mediumship in my thirties? And, you know, where you said, you understand that people are more often they're born with it sort of, which I, yeah. which I agree. Um, so yeah, it was just to continue on. It was just a, there was a whole series of events and which included a, a psychic reading I got from my friend Seth Michael. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had me basically kind of do my own reading. <laughs> it was my first psychic yeah. reading ever. And uh, basically he wrote a bunch of stuff down and on his notepad. And then he said, okay, I want you to reach out and see what do you see? And so I started describing some things. I was just being open to it and, and trying to go with it. And then I rattled off a bunch of things and then he showed me his notepad and he wasn't writing at all while I was speaking and everything that I just said was exactly what he wrote down and my stomach sank Mm -hmm. (laughs) really bad. And and then he said, uh, you know, kind of throughout the reading, you know, you're just not even aware of what's around you. And, you know, I think you'll be doing your own readings with, within a year. And I didn't quite know how to take all that. Um, But uh, it, it's, that's how it worked out. I mean, I I was emotionally drunk for a few days after that and just had a hard time with, I just felt overwhelmed with feelings and just not able to really focus on anything. Sure. Um, And then it, then it just turned out, turned into you know friends would come over for dinner or just to hang out whatever and all of a sudden i would see somebody and be like okay who has a great aunt edna or something like that you know which i have a great aunt edna but you know some some name and then the person you know that's there hanging out with us would be like uh i have a great aunt so and so and and you know did she look like this and she had a real affinity for this. She died of this. And it just kind of went from there. Like, whoa, just kept getting validation. Mm-hmm. And then I learned to, you know, to kind of start trusting the feelings and the imagery and the sounds and everything, um, you know, that I was hearing. And and here I am. <laughs> so, so I think, you know, I say I discovered the gift in, in my 30s, but it, mm-hmm. I, it was always there. I just it was always there it was always there. I just didn't know it. I just didn't realize what it was. So like I said, I was always, you know, head in the clouds, you know, big star Wars, star Trek, you know, what's out there, you know? Yeah. Same here. (laughs) Always believed in stuff being out there and that there's no Mm -hmm. possible way. There's not other life forms out there. There's just no possible way. Sure. Um, And so, that's kind of just how my thought process as a kid and growing up was just always more on, on that side of things. 
and then yeah so um okay. now now you've done a lot of work with mediums right on investigations i have yes yeah so i mean does it does it kind of depend on the case whether you bring in a medium or do you always try to bring in a medium when you're doing an investigation? If I'm working with the medium, I'll always try to bring, um, I don't think me personally when I do investigations, I don't believe in investigating uh, large groups of people. It's uh, usually myself and associate and a, and a medium. Um, I'm not currently working with the mediums, um, at this moment, but, um, I have worked with a couple of mediums in the past. One medium that I worked with for a very long time. Her name is Nancy Porta, and uh, she's a good friend. She moved away a few years ago, which is the reason I don't work with, have worked with any mediums because I haven't been able to find them. Um, I think that, to be honest with you, I've met hundreds of people who claim to have skips. Mm-hmm. Um, some are well-meaning people. Some have kind of deluded themselves. And others are just kind of try to, you know, they're they're um, they're predators. They 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 claim to have these gifts so they could uh, they can take advantage on people, take advantage of people. Yeah, yeah especially in, <coughs> especially when it's usually involves grief, which is right. I think that's just horrible. Yeah. Um, so I mean, does it take you? a while to build up a trust with a medium. So, you know, you're not really working with one right now. Yeah. You know, what's kind of your process for vetting somebody? Is is there like a certain length of time? Is it just, you, um, you got to feel good with it or, you know, what's kind of your yeah. process for that? Well, yeah, definitely feeling good with it, but you know, it's, it's uh, one of the big things is observation. Like, for example, I, you know, since I do mostly private homes, I've always said mostly private homes. It's not like you can take the medium on the investigation <coughs> and they can go looking up information on a private home and then all of a sudden, you know, they know all this stuff about the ghost <laughs> yeah. that lives there. You know, I, I was always amazed by watching Most Haunted, with, you know, out of England. Now they always had a medium there, the medium, <coughs> excuse me, always knew what kind of ghost was there. I think the guy was named was Derek. And, uh, <laughs> he always quote unquote knew, huh? <laughs> yeah. He always knew. And it was always famous places where they went where you could just go on the internet and find out stuff. So yeah. But yeah, definitely through observation, working with them for a while. Um, I'd actually use deception in trying to, uh, you know, find out whether some, whether or not somebody has a, uh, a psychic gift. I know some people may not think that's ethical, but I'm trying to you know, find the truth of the matter. Is this person somebody that I can trust? Yeah. And uh, I tried that with Nancy one time, and she just she knew right away. It was real. So that's kind of like what finally convinced me that she had a real gift and that I could trust her. Yeah. And you know, you you might have a good medium if you're using deception and they call you on it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So that was that, that was that was a thing that really convinced me, and um, she did a reading on me. It's been a long time since I've had a really good reading. Um, she did a reading on me and uh, nailed every single thing. All, all the problems that I've had with my family in the past, um, you know, ex girlfriends that she couldn't possibly have known anything about, and, <laughs> you know, all this kind of stuff. And it was like, 
okay, I am convinced that this person has an actual ability. That's that's awesome, and it's, but you, you got to get the the details and and don't tell me anymore because maybe someday I'll give you a reading. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I, I challenge you to do so. Okay, <laughs> we'll we'll set that up offline. Um, okay, um, I, I'd be interested in doing that because um, it's it's always good practice for me, sure, and especially remotely too. Uh, in these COVID de- these COVID times, uh, it's been a real test and challenge for remote viewing work because I'm, you know, sure. I'm not doing any readings in person, mm-hmm. um, and so it, it's interesting. And it, like you always got to keep learning and practicing. Right. So when you go to an investigation mm-hmm. um, and you you've got a medium, and I really I like the point that you made that you don't necessarily like to or don't prefer to investigate in a large group no, um, I don't. I, i'm kind of you know and the more time goes on i, I kind of feel the same way too um you know sometimes i mean i guess it depends on the on the space maybe if you're covering like trying to investigate a big giant warehouse maybe you'd like to have you know mm-hmm. a couple more people so you can branch out a little bit more but, but even, um, then even again then, I, I guess you're probably then, introducing more you're probably introducing more noise pollution anyways i guess with more people exactly uh, I, I think that i think that keeping it your operation as it were um, yeah small is is the best way to go um, i worked with a large group for about three or four years and uh, i don't deal well with things like drama or uh, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I don't deal well with that. It, it, it's something that really automatically turns me off. It's one of the reasons why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were a very large group. So, you know, imagine six or seven people traipsing around a, a two, or three, two or three bedroom house. Yeah. You know, you're going to get nothing but false negatives there. There sure. are false positives. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, um, and you know you sound a lot. <laughs> your approach is similar to like Hans Holzer, um, yeah. Where he, you know he typically, unless it was a unless it was a seance he was holding with you know the people who lived in a location he was investigating. He was a really small, uh, mm-hmm. just him him and a medium, um, and so, I mean when you're with that, with you and as an associate and and a medium, mm-hmm. um, what kind of like what's your main go-to equipment that you're setting up with a small operational team? I have never really been much of an equipment guy. Um, I do have these equipment, of course. I do use EMF um, meters and you know stuff like that. Sure, but um, I I, uh, I always think of my early days of sitting vigil, how they used to do in England, and just sort of waiting for things to happen. If I have a medium, then of course the medium is there to advise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if there is equipment, then uh, yes, I will use it. Great. And so, I mean, is your notepad your best friend, really? <laughs> my notepad and my camera and my tape recorder are my, yes. my best friends. Um, I, I have always, um, a long time philosophy of mine is if I can't fit it in my pocket, it's useless to me. 
<laughs> I don't I don't want to spend three or four hours setting equipment because sure hey that looks great on television and everything. But is it practical in real life? Yeah, I I think it's really cool that you've got a real condensed set of tools um, mm-hmm. that you take on. It's not you're not getting distracted by the technology or it's like just you said, it's, the setup and the maintenance of all of it. And yeah, and, and, and to be perfectly honest with you, another part of that too is man, I just cannot. Stop. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, I I always uh, um, I like the sitting vigil approach as well because, mm-hmm. um, and that's I do ask questions when I investigate, and but I feel like, um, you know, there's there's a lot of different teams that I've I've been around, um, you know, that you know have come to Port Gamble. And some are a little aggressive and, mm. you know, and okay. I, 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 I don't really like that. Um, I'm more of the observe and absorb approach. Yeah, you know, my, I'll my, ask questions if I feel something around, but I like to sit and just see if something happens. Yeah. I've always been a big believer in an observe document report. That's, you know, that, that's, that's my two things right there. Um, yeah, this this idea of walking into a place and being aggressive with the spirit and trying to get the spirit to communicate by being crude, um, yeah. using you know crude language or whatever—that is definitely never a good idea. Well, yeah, it goes back to thinking in the ghosts, spirits, entities, whatever you want to call it, as people. As just you know, regular people. I mean, how right. <laughs> would you walk up to somebody and be like, "Hey, effer, come at me"? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right? You know, another good another good way of looking at it too is, is like, say you're in um, a house that was built sometime in the 1870s or 1880s, okay. which is the Victorian era. Yep. And the entity that people are seeing is a woman dressed in you know period clothing. Okay. And um, she is interactive. She does interact with the people that live there. If you go into that house, guns blazing, using cuss words, yelling, being aggressive with a woman from the 18th century or 19th century, I guarantee you, you will have nothing that evening. In fact, that spirit, if it was consciousness that was survived death of the body, will run and hide because people didn't act like that. Yeah, and yeah, and and it's even today it's extremely disrespectful even in today's mm-hmm. standards. And right. yeah, you have to really think about you know the location you're at, some of the history. Yeah. Now, real quick, do you do um, any historical research before your investigation, or do you do the investigation first and then go look at historical resources? Um. I will interview the people that are experiencing the hunting mm-hmm. and then I will investigate. And if I feel that there's historical research that needs further historical research that needs to be done, then yeah, I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of do it afterwards and I, I kind of like doing Usually, it afterwards too. Yes. You know, if, if, if I'm associated with somebody, if I have an associate, I'll have that, you know, yeah. do, you know, historical research on it. 
Yeah. On a location. And, and so when you, when you're working with a medium, you're, you're going to take a medium on an investigation. Do you uh, pick them? Like, don't tell them where you're going, nothing about it. And you, you pick them up in a car and yes. take don't. either blindfold them or just take them there without saying anything. Just take them there without telling them anything. And, uh, you know, and then again, a piece of paper and a pen, have a walk around, let me know what you find. And if it adds up to what the homeowner or the business owner had, you know, has already said, then, then you know, proceed even further. Yeah, that, that's great. Because <laughs> that would be, I think a lot of people uh, out there and, and, you know, psychically investigating, um, they know little, they know they're not following certain protocols. I think the, a lot of people out there are maybe not following those kinds of protocols. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, if you want to have a credible investigation or collect any credible data, I think you've got to have those strict controls. Um, yeah, you do. I, you know, you, you get like, I watch these TV shows where a medium is at, you know, a famous haunted location. And they're like, I see a woman, she's wearing a white dress. And it's like, <laughs> I can go on the internet and find that. That's yeah. nothing new. That's old information. Tell yeah. me something new. Right. A exactly. Because um, you can, you can pretty much look up anything nowadays and, yeah. Um, you know, from where I come from with, you know, I didn't get into um, paranormal research and investigation until about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, ghost hunters kind of got me interested in it in around 2005, 2006, mm -hmm. um, where I kind of was like, wait a minute. Uh, you know, I had no clue about SPR you know, ASPR and none of that stuff. And none of the, mm -hmm. you know, original work that was done. I just had no exposure to it and was clueless about it. And well, Ghost Hunters kind of got me interested, like, whoa, people are, I mean, they're, they're, they're researching this and like mm -hmm. trying to gather evidence. And, you know, and back then I felt, you know, a little more credibly um, mm -hmm. than nowadays, but um you know, with all the different various hundreds of shows that are out there, it's, it's hard to, you know, take those, uh, as uh, all of them as credible, but you yeah. know, it was, it's, it's been beneficial that I, I kind of see it as a positive that I haven't been in the field of research, like as, as long as someone like you has, or many of the, my other colleagues that I work with, um, because I don't know about, a lot of these stories and it's definitely, I mean? yeah. You know, I think that there is a, a certain amount of historical perspective that is missing from this. I'll give you a perfect example. A couple of years back, I was involved in this Facebook thread and people, they had like this picture out there and it was of ghost hunters and ghost adventures. And most of them they were like, you know, is there any famous investigator that you would like to investigate with? So, I went on there and I said the founders of the Society for Psychic Research, Frederick H. W. Myers, Edmund Gurney, yep. and um, I think, I can't remember who was the third one that I put, and I'm not kidding you, Pete, somebody actually
show you the answer immediately. You're serious. Oh, I've never heard of them. What television show are they on? <laughs> so they've been dead for 130 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there, there is, there is a certain amount of um, historical perspective. This yeah. was not started by two plumbers from Rhode Island and a uh, wedding DJ from Nevada. This, this yeah. has been around <laughs> for a very, very long time. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, as I've kind of gone through, you know, the last 10 years, I've been open to that world and it's really quite interesting. So if you're listening out there and you're, you want to dive into what the paranormal field is, what the, where things come from, some of the, the thinking or the theories, mm-hmm. look up society for psychical research and, I'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah. Go, go uh, there I, and start there. <laughs> and, 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 they're, and they're, they're on Facebook. You can go to Facebook and, and like, they, like when there's also the London Ghost Club. Um, uh, sadly, the uh, ASPR, the American Society for Psychical Research, doesn't exist anymore. Look up Society but, um, for Psychical Research. And, whoa. What happened? I don't know. A ghost popped in and it sounded a lot like me. <laughs> There you are. (laughs) Not sure what that was. Um, Continue on. (laughs) I was just saying, you know, I said that, you know, sadly, the American Society of Psychic Research doesn't exist anymore. But um, is that is it pretty much lack of funding? Is that is that why? Okay, I think so. Um, Also, too, you, I I live about forty miles north of Chicago. So okay. I live near. I live near a big city, and uh, you know I could stand out on my back porch for a rock hit about you know fifteen to twenty paranormal groups. <laughs> you know, we have you know literally thousands of paranormal groups. And I just think that you know, I think that people have lost interest in the older, more traditional yeah. um, organizations for psychic research and parasitology. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a big, big section majority of the paranormal field as far as investigation goes. That people just want to get in, get a you know piece of quote unquote evidence, mm-hmm. and then and then share it and get out. <laughs> well, you know, I, you, you can't just get yourself equipment and then go out there and do this because basically all you're doing is running around like Scooby. You know what I'm saying? You yeah, know, Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo and, and Shaggy and all that. And you need to take time to uh, <laughs> excuse me, learn your craft and especially learn the history of this. The history of this is so um, illuminating. Yeah, and that's something I've realized the past few years of, man, you really got to go. You can't move forward unless you look back and look at the mm-hmm. context. Yeah. Of where in all the work that these guys put in and all the different seances they sat in on, you know, one of my favorite stories is um, the uh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, Leslie Flint um, mm-hmm. in England in the SPR investigating him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really fascinating. It's, it's, it's interesting stuff. I think more interesting than, Hey, I've got a 
we're going to go investigate a demon house. You know, <laughs> I yeah, find that, that so interesting in and of itself. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. But you know, so I, like the, the story of Leslie Flint and you know, the SPR going in and you know, yeah, he probably, he, he might have not been on the up and up all the time, <laughs> but they were still, oh, puzzled. they were still puzzled by certain things that happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's fascinating to me. And there, so there was I, a lot of, I was just going to say, there was a lot of that that went on back in like the, the days of spiritualism. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and, you know, the SPR was basically born out of necessity. Um, they had to have that because, you know, spiritualism was just huge at the time. And yeah. among all, you know, among the very small amount of real mediums were, the fake mediums. I think they're like every one real medium was maybe 10 or 20 fake mediums. Sure. So, you know, basically, you know, that SPR was born out of necessity. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, some of the guys I've read um, ended up, you know, what they were studying, they became, you know, believers in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and that says something about, spirits and the afterlife and what happens to us if you know these scientists who are very i mean their minds are made of science and Mm -hmm. you know that's how they think of things and they can even believe in survival survival of of the body um there are many extreme scientists out there that do believe this but they are just afraid to say they're so afraid to say it's because of the yeah and it's because of all the tv shows and all that Mm -hmm. side of things that they don't i think that that's you know why they're not a lot of people aren't willing to come forward because you know the the field in general what it is now Mm -hmm. is you know why would they want to jeopardize their career right Um, you know the, the, the tv shows definitely do have their place in all yes, of this um, I agree. because you know the, the television shows did kind of open up people's minds and eyes that these kind of things do exist but they kind of deceive people that this is this is not a scare minute you're not going to <laughs> you know walk into a place and come out with earth shattering evidence every single time um Imagine if that happened. Holy smokes. (laughs) Man, I I tell you what, investigating is so damn boring at times. Yes. (laughs) Um, And you may have to go back to a location 9, 10, 15, 20 times before you get anything real. Yeah. I often tell people um, on my my ghost walk tour, uh, you know, investigating is really 95% boring and you're sitting there talking to yourself mm-hmm. um but it's that five percent that of the unknown in the phenomena yeah. or an anomaly or an evp or disembodied this or that that that's what keeps researchers and investigators going yeah but yeah it's mostly yeah i just I like to joke around. Yeah. It's mostly just, you know, sitting around talking to yourself sometimes in the dark, sometimes not. <laughs> right. But I mean, I have been in places that were, um, 
unbelievably active. There was a house in Waukegan, Illinois, which Waukegan is, is a city up near the Wisconsin border. Okay. And uh, in, in my, in my um, second book, Behold, Shocking Food Tales of Terror, some other spooky stuff, I speak about it in, in the uh, chapter of House of Wonder Spirits. And uh, I watched as a female apparition materialized practically right in front of me. Amazing. And uh, yeah, and we, had, we got some amazing EVPs in this house. And I call it the House of 100 Spirits. So I do believe that there were 100 spirits that were in this house. And I do believe that they were coming through a, through a naturally occurring form in the house. That's awesome. So I wanted to ask you about that. Um, mm-hmm. So what is it basically the amount of activity or different kinds of activity or what would make you think that there is some sort of portal? I mean, it's a quantity. Um, there was an interesting EDP that, that I had caught that night okay. and I wish I still had it. But this was when I was with um, Kim Kimkin in the research group, and the leader of the group um, always took our evidence. But I had uh, also heard this in myself, and I'm asking this, Evie, I'm asking the question, you know, how many of you are in this house? And you hear a voice, Wednesday, come over the recorder, and it says, they want us to come in through the window. Oh, so a whole sentence. A full sentence. They want us to come in through the window. So I do believe that this window that whoever this entity was was speaking of an active form in the house. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So where I'm at in Port Gamble, which someday uh, non-COVID times, <laughs> we got to get you out here. Um, I'd love to. And spend some time. So there's this house, the Walker Ames house. Mm -hmm. And I can't say that I have experienced, seen, felt, whatever, of a portal type thing in front of the house. But many psychics and psychic mediums have talked about, you know, there's like uh, some sort of portal in front of the house because this house is, I wouldn't say it's quite like the one you're, you're describing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there seems to be things that come and go and it's a, a pretty active location. Yeah. Um, you know, what, I mean, what would you consider a portal to even be? In between our world and the uh, spirit realm. Yeah, you know, it's, that's, that's, it's just as simple as that. It, exactly. And, and, you know, I was talking with my daughters. I have, I have two daughters mm-hmm. and it was, it was pretty, I, I was kind of blown away because we were talking about um, f- fairy land, you know, where, mm-hmm. where, you know, we were, she, they were watching some show with fairies and, you know, where, where's, you know, this fairy land, where could it be? And, and so I kind of said, you know, well, maybe there's another realm or, or another existence that's right next to ours. And I kind of put my hands up parallel and, you know, to each other, my palms facing each other. And I said, you know, my right hand, let's say this is our, 
realm. This is our existence. Well, theirs is right next to it, you know, with the other hand. And she put it two and two together herself. She says, oh, well, they need a portal to get back and forth. And I was like, where did you learn that? (laughs) (laughs) So I think, you know, uh, it it is as as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, did you have a medium on that investigation with you, the House of 100 Spirits? We did. We had uh, um, Nancy was with us on that one. And another one, girl named Vicky. And uh-huh. um, Vicky was more of an empath than a medium. Okay. So, you know, she could just sort of like sense their presence and that there was so much, you know, you know yeah. communicate with them. But yeah, she said that she definitely could feel abundance of souls in the house. And did, did either of them pick up on, you know, um, of course, you know, while you're investigating, you didn't hear the EVP, right? Where he said they mm-hmm. want us to come through mm-hmm. the window. I mean, did they get a sense at all in there that there was something strange about the location that was bringing things in or out? Did any of them, you know, sense that? No. Uh, they just said that whatever this, uh, this portal was, was naturally occurring. It wasn't, uh, you know, created through, you know, magical or occult means. It was just a natural occurring. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I wouldn't, you know, I I wasn't um, asking to say that they should have picked up on something like that because not everybody, um, who knows even how to measure something like that or quantify a portal, but it's just interesting that, um, so house of a hundred spirits. I want to say the Walker Ames is probably a house of 20. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, that's amazing you mm-hmm. and, and and so you you saw an apparition of a woman in this place too i did we were Gosh. standing you are, you, uh, you are like a lucky charm or something i know? must be <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the story it's a really interesting story um we were standing in the kitchen talking to homeowner's mother okay and there was the kitchen and there was this hall with a bedroom off to the left and a dining room off to the right. And we're standing there talking. And all of a sudden, I see this tall, blonde-haired woman dressed in white all of a sudden just appear in the hall. She's just there. Boom, there. Um, Didn't have anybody with us that looked like that. Um, The the, uh, family that lived in the home were Armenian. So, you know, if you're familiar with, like, the Kardashians, they have, you know, olive colored skin and they're very dark features. Okay. And um, so I watched as this person turned and went into the bedroom. Well, I took another investigator. We went over to the bedroom. The only person there was the homeowner's youngest daughter and her African-American friend. So and there was nowhere for a tall interesting to go. <laughs> right. They never even saw it. So we, we walked through the bedroom and like, where did the tall woman dressed in white go? And the girl looked up at me and she's like, I've seen her before. And she just oh, whispers oh, it oh. like that. She didn't see him walk into the room at the time, but she saw she saw that room once before. Wow. So, yeah. I think it's rare to see a physical 
at least in my experience, but maybe I need to investigate with you. <laughs> but but it, it feels like it's 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 rare to you know get a physical apparition. Yeah, but you know, um, Pete, I'm, I'm coming, you know, thirty years, almost thirty years of <laughs> investigating here. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you've had more chances of seeing things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it just even for as long as you've been doing it, the experiences you have, I, I've you like the rabbit foot on an investigation. I don't know. <laughs> I, I must be. I think I've probably seen five or six. It's That's awesome. Time. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I I've only seen I think there one one time it was two at once. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was a kid and the only reason I didn't think it was my imagination is because my grandpa looked at me and said, "Did you see that?" and described what I saw. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, I saw that." <laughs> um and then um at the Walker Ames house um, but it's, it's been pretty, pretty rare for me, um, to, to see something like that. I've seen other things psychically. I sat in a restaurant over in Seattle and there was a guy sitting at the table next to us. And then all of a sudden I noticed he was gone and looked at my wife and, and Hey, where'd that guy go? And she, you know, it was kind of like, what guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think I even asked the waitress too. Um, this was this was probably around 2013 or something, but I, I, I swear this guy was real that was sitting next to us by himself, fancy restaurant, you know, eating, and then like all this was like, well, he was just here. Where did he go? I didn't see anybody get up and leave. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about about a ghost. I mean, people are always like, you know, the, the bed sheet, semi transparent and <laughs> glowing. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And anytime that I've ever seen, you know, the five that I've seen, they were just like you and I. Yeah, you know they were they, they appeared to be solid, but obviously that wasn't a person. Yeah, uh, it was just, it was just weird. And I have seen, um, you know, uh, if you dumb question, but you seen hmm. Lord of the Rings? <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay, the the Elf Queen uh, when she kind of floats down and she's kind of got this waving kind of effect mm-hmm. ethereal uh i saw that on a i was doing a psychic based investigation on a location okay and this woman came through that way to me and i just i, I knew to immediately how i could describe it to the clients uh because it looked just exactly like in the movie but it was like i felt she was on fire Mm-hmm. and uh, felt that she was lost. And then later on, they told me that a woman did get lost in that area about, you know, a few decades ago, and she had a little camper, and she ended up getting lost. So she just set up her camper for the night, and it caught on fire, and she died in the fire mm-hmm. back there. And mm-hmm. But just the, you know, so you can see them just like you and I are right here, and then there's also the other kind of way too yeah. that i've experienced which is fun that kind of keeps it fun sure um and speaking of of fun uh i'd like to try and ask too because a lot of the, the paranormal stuff can be you know more serious and, mm-hmm. and do you have any funny stories of something that happened on an investigation like something that was really funny mm. <laughs> 
usually you know, it's I, the living that that scare you more right on an investigation yeah you know i, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. um I, I try to keep um when i'm on an investigation i try to keep sure. myself oh I, I knew you'd think it's something just came in. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I was um, back in 2014, I was featured in Ghost Tapes too. And, okay. Uh, yeah. And we did an investigation. It's, it's on YouTube. If you want to see it, it's, it's a really good documentary. Um, we had an investigation at a house in Lake, Illinois. And um, I'm knocking on the wall trying to get the spirit to knock back, and all of a sudden I get a knock on the, on the wall. Well, whenever I hear something like that, that automatically makes me laugh. It doesn't yeah. scare me because it's like just, wow, you know, even, even after all these years, I'm still like, whoa, it's because I'm a giant geek, you know? Yeah. And uh, that actually got a lot of really bad negative feedback from people. <laughs> Oh, really? And, yeah, they, they, that, that was the funny part about it. They, they got a lot of feedback, like, how could this thing scare this guy? What is this guy like a joker or something? And it's like, they, they thought that I wasn't taking it seriously. And like, no, I was taking it seriously. I'm just not, I, I, don't, I don't scare easily. In fact, well, I'm still very much fascinated by this stuff. Yeah. What you can't enjoy an investigation when something happens, geez. <laughs> Apparently, you're supposed to scream "do run" and then run away. Oh, yeah. What was that? Yeah. yeah what was that? What? Yeah, what, the hell what was, was that? Yeah, and then look up. What was that? <laughs> you know, they always I, do. They I, look up. <laughs> I, I've actually told people on investigations. I'm like, I swear to God, if anybody says, "What the hell was that?" You're walking home. Because I, I yeah. did not want to listen to that TV garbage on an investigation. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Wow, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, Rick. Indeed. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, uh, we're coming. We got 10 minutes left. Um, and so I wanted to ask you about all your research on places mm-hmm. you've done overseas. Because I see you posting a lot of articles and um, of, of places overseas Mm-hmm. And I just someday I'm going to get over there. <laughs> someday, yeah. damn it, me too. <laughs> someday me too. I'm going to get over there. And William Becker said he'll, you know, he's going to have to go too. So yeah. um, maybe we'll all have to go at the same time or something. But in your opinion, in I mean, what is the top two places you'd like to investigate in England? Top two places I would yes. love to investigate in England. Um, oh my God, there are so many. Um, <laughs> I know. Sorry, that, sorry to throw that. No, out. <laughs> the, uh, the the Hellfire Caves. Okay, is definitely one of them, and a place that I have been fascinated with since I was a little boy. It was one of the first ghost stories I ever read. as a fifty Berkeley Square in London. I have been obsessed with 50 Berkeley Square since I was eight years old. Um, nice. A friend of mine who a friend of mine who is a member of the uh, of the Society for Psychical Research said that you know those stories that you hear from the 19th century they're not 100 percent true. So I'm like, all right, well, I've been obsessed with it since I was a kid, so I would like to find out for myself rather than taking the word of somebody else. Yeah, yeah, find out for yourself and. 
you know, have the, you know, that'd be great to have a personal experience. Yeah. There's, I wanted, I mean, just anywhere with old stuff. I, I love mm-hmm. the historical aspect of paranormal research and I like going back and trying to research the history of a location. Sure. Um, and my God, when you get over there, I mean, when you, in, in your research, when you've, um, you know, put stuff out there. What are some good resources if you're willing to divulge? Um, you know, cause I think when you get to some really old places and there's probably, you know, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there, I feel like there'd be less stuff available on the history. Um, and so what are some resources you typically go to, um, to do historical research? I go to my own personal library. Um, I have a rather, I have a pretty big library of uh, books, especially books of, of the United Kingdom and Ireland. Okay. Um, I have a lot of books about that. Um, you know, I, I use the internet, but I don't, I, I don't just use like one source. I'll go to <laughs> right. many different places. <laughs> I don't just use Wikipedia. I'll, you know, check other places. But, oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I'm just going to put this out there and then, have, you know, half a dozen people tell me what a liar I am. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I use many different resources, many different websites, um, books that I, that I own. Yeah. And so, um, since we're coming up towards the end of the show here, I also want to make sure that the audience knows too, um, you know, more about your books. Mm -hmm. Um, and the most recent one you put out is the bullets, booze, and babes. Tell bullets, us a little booze and babes. Yeah, tell us a little bit about the premise and maybe what uh, I mean, what got you to write that book? Um, it bullets, booze, and babes on the haunted history of Illinois, of Chicago and Illinois. Um, it's kind of my love letter to the city of Chicago. Um, I'm originally from Chicago, and I grew up in northern Illinois. And we have just an abundance of money places, especially yeah. in the city. So, <laughs> excuse me. So, yeah. So, it's just kind of my love letter to the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. That's a great way to put it and a neat way to honor some of that history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, of course, I'm joking. Have you found Capone? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thankfully, I have not. Oh, but, I think. You know, oh, you wouldn't want to know but, him, huh? <laughs> but, but of course, you know, the kind of, you know, Chicago is like uh, Al Capone slept here, so it's like George Washington slept here. So, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, he is definitely associated with a lot of different places in in Illinois. Yeah. Do you? Um, I mean, is there? Um, is there a plethora of like speakeasies that? you know, people investigate what's kind of the, is it just a private home? So what are some of the kind of the more active areas? Is it like a district? Is it just kind of random? Is it, you know, what's kind Um, of, how's that all laid out there? No, it's, you know, it's just various different places. Um, Some of the places that we have here, are a lot of bars, Um, the um, uh, green milk, in, okay. uh, on the north side of Chicago that has a real long history of organized crime. So the ghosts that, you know, they're associated with organized crime or mm-hmm. one of my favorite clubs, in, one of my favorite clubs is called the Myers Club, 
which is it's in um, the Lincoln Park neighborhood. Okay, and um, you know that has a people believe that that place is cursed because there's been a number of murders that have been committed and you know of course these these people who are murdered they go self somewhere yeah and so how do you feel um i mean do you feel like uh curses are legit um i think that i believe what anthropologists say that in for a curse that that the person must believe in must believe in the power of the curse and the person issue right it's kind of like a poltergeist if there's no you don't give anything in any energy it's not gonna uh it's not gonna manifest and right show and show itself so that's great take great take on that now a little let's talk a little bit about um we just got a few minutes left here uh, Mm -hmm. the shadow initiative and that's your new show show. Yeah, Stephen Steve, Lancaster. Stephen Lancaster. Yep. And how's that going so far? That is going very, very well. Um, we're starting to get a lot of positive feedback. We're starting to get a lot of uh, viewers. Um, we've had two guests so far. Our first guest was Ann Massey, who is a uh, um, very important person in her part of the world in Ireland. And uh, second one was um, legendary Chicago investigator and author. Um, yeah, you know, he's a, he's, he's a great guy. Um, so yeah, we have a lot of really uh, great guests and stuff that are coming up in the future. We only do guests every other week. Um, yeah. So the week that we do have guests, it's just Steve and I talking about stuff. Yeah, well, there's so much to cover, you know, mm-hmm. and between you guys, I mean, how many years of experience? <laughs> I think between Steve and I, Sixty years, at, at least. Yeah, you you guys have a lot to talk about. You don't always yeah, need we a guest. <laughs> well, it looks yeah. like you guys are having fun on there. And so, where can yeah. people find the show? Uh, they can find it at uh, the uh, YouTube channel April Thirteen. Okay. And uh, it airs every Friday night, seven PM Central, eight PM Eastern. Right on. Oh, that's early for yeah, me. That's a good show. That's <laughs> <laughs> early for me. Uh, yeah, it looks like you guys are having fun with it. And I, I encourage everybody listening out there to check out Rick's show. Um, I've, I feel like you are a good resource. You are a staple resource of the paranormal field with your experience and the amount of research and everything you've done. So I encourage everyone to go check this out. Thank you. You know, I try to make myself very available to you know, what you see is what you get. And I'm not going to be some, you know, even just a good sure. It's going to be like, you know, magical finds. Yeah. No, if you got a question, come see me. That. Yeah. Well, definitely check out the show and you can find Rick's books at, um, on Amazon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and go to, and I'll post links to, um, your, make sure you follow his author and psychical researcher Facebook page. Um, because that's where you're posting a lot of your articles. There's a lot of Facebook page too. Yeah. 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 And you can get to everywhere from the Facebook page. So I'll post a link that, um, when we're done here, um, I mean, go check out the books. They're, they're on my wish list. Um, and, uh, I'll let you know after I read them. Um, okay. I'm looking forward to it. And I, I really like your approach to things. I, I appreciate that out there. Um, and, and I think, you know, the world needs more of that. Um, 
you know, and like I said, you know, I'm kind of newer to the psychical research or, you know, learning about the history and everything. And it really is fascinating. Yes. Um, history alone is fascinating. Exactly. I mean, just the history of it. And, you know, I've started Phantasms of the Living and that's real just bland, <laughs> but it's cool. You know, is it's, it lays, it's like step by step what they're doing and, and, you know, how things are reported. It's these early days of parapsychology. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's just amazing. So, you know, uh, I'll post a link on, on my Facebook page to, uh, the paranormal Pete show page, um, to your Facebook page where people can, you know, start checking out your articles and Thanks. get your books and check out your show. Um, and you know, I, again, it's a pleasure. I've been wanting to meet you for a while. Um, well, thank you for having me. Yeah. One of these days we'll, we'll get you out here to Port Campbell We'd love to. So, so you can check it out and, uh, I really appreciate it. And, um, I end every show with a toast Mm -hmm. um, saying that the past is history and the future is a mystery, but today is a gift because it's the present and in hopes that we all remember to be in the now, even though it's fun to look in the past or look ahead, uh, be in the now and there's with everything going on, I hope we've, we've taken everyone's mind off uh, the crazy world we live in uh, right mm-hmm. now and giving you some things to think about uh, in, in all of our search um, for answers. Cause we, you know, we all wonder what happens to us um, when we die. And so I appreciate you taking the time and everybody again, go check out Rick's show, the shadow initiative with Stephen Lancaster and Rick Hale and check out his books and start doing some of that research uh but rick thanks again really appreciate it and we'll Glad see it. yeah and next week i've got uh, an awesome guest too another one uh mr michael white who is a researcher and investigator paranormal research and investigations of washington michael white is a colleague of mine a good friend and a very critical thinker someone who's very skeptical of the paranormal mm. and which I, I like that because people like him keep people like me in check. <laughs> and so keep the believers in check. Um, so we'll be talking a lot about critical thinking and investigation tactics and uh, whatever else comes out, but it's going to be a, a really fun show. And then coming up the week after that, I've got Nicole Strickland uh, coming up and she also has the afterlife chronicles here on let's talk radio and with that rick i'll bid you adieu and thanks again go get some sleep and uh thanks everybody for listening out there the paranormal peach show i'm your host peter bea we'll see you next week take care